Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. So on today's podcast episode, I am excited to have a special guest. Her name is Kimberly B. Cummings, and she's going to be talking to us about how to make your next career move your best career move. So Kimberly, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm so excited to be here. And how I describe myself is a career and leadership development expert. Um, My thing is really helping people navigate the world of work, make more money, and ultimately position themselves as leaders. I've been obsessed with personal and professional development for as long as I can remember. Send me to the conference, give me the certificate. I always want to figure out how to maximize my experience in the workplace and ultimately help others do the same exact thing. And most recently, I'm a brand new author of a book called Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career You'll Love. This is really teaching all of my clients and anyone who reads it, hopefully people who are also not my clients, how to go through and take stock of their experiences, develop and curate their personal and professional brand, advocate for themselves, salary negotiation, the whole nine, and ultimately allowing them to put together their own two-year career strategy. I love that. And congratulations on your, your new book. Thank you. And I love how you say maximize your experience in the workplace. I think that's such a great way to think about your job, your career, like how can you make the most out of this? So I'm excited to have you talk us through a lot of that. And one of the things that you mentioned in your book, and you just mentioned now, (laughs) is how to build a two-year career strategy to move you into future leadership positions. Can you elaborate on what this strategy is all about? Why two years? How does it work over two years, which is really 24 months? Tell me more. Got it. So I think when you kind of talked about that maximizing piece that I mentioned in saying you like that, I think that's really what a two-year career strategy does. So first, starting with why two years. I think many times when we think about our careers, we think about the end. So a story I tell in my book is that I thought the world of work was going to be like Gabrielle Union and Vivica A. Fox and two can play a bat game. I'm not sure if you remember the scene where Gabrielle Union comes out the car to go see Morris Chestnut. She flings her high ponytail over her shoulder. She's wearing this red power suit. And Vivica A. Fox, right before that, she had this 
amazing assistant, the corner office. She like walked out to go see her man. I thought that this was the world of work, like coming out of college. I had was a marketing major. They were <laughs> advertising. Like this is what was going to happen, right? Like, of course, I'd quote unquote have to work my way up. But I thought that that's what the world of work was. But of course, little did I know, it was going to take some time. And fun fact about that movie, if you've seen it or now you're going to go watch it and you're listening in that movie, they are like 27 and 28, which honestly is so unrealistic to be able to graduate college and work your way up that fast to a corner office. But again, that's the vision I had. And when I got into the world of work, I learned very quickly that that was a much larger plan. But when we think about two years, this is really that deeper work, that hunkered down, thinking about your career in six months increments. So in the book, what I help people do is understand where you are now and where is the two-year goal that you want to get to that's realistic. So, you know, thinking about SMART goals, but then the next piece is figuring out the gap in between where you are and where you want to be. And in six-month increments, we really figure out what are the steps that you need to address in order to get to that two-year goal. And I think two years is enough to keep you motivated but enough to also keep you inspired to make those actions every single day. And when I talk about maximizing your job, so many times when we're thinking about our time in the workforce, especially if you are unhappy, the only thing you're thinking about is how can I escape? How can I get away? How can I resign and get to the next job? But many times there are ways to maximize your current job to help you make that next move. And that's what a career strategy really does, whether you're, Next move is really to leave or you want to position yourself in a different way. There's ways to address the skills, address the gaps by maximizing your current job versus just trying to always start over and get into the next job and essentially starting from ground zero again. Yeah, because you have to build those relationships and all of that stuff at your new position, right? Exactly. And I like how you you have it as a two-year plan because really that is attainable. It's only 24 months. And you talk about breaking it into six month increments, which is even more attainable because you have the next six months to look forward to. So I guess depending on like what you said is the goal of the person in this two year plan, whether you want to leave, whether you want to become, you want to get into a leadership position, whether you want to maximize your experience, whatever it might be, you have to have goals associated to this two year plan and then to those six month increments in order to successfully execute that strategy. So if yes, you're listening, indeed. start thinking about your goals. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kimberly, yes, indeed. Yeah, and Kimberly's book will help you craft that strategy. But that's that's really important because many people go to work just thinking about it as a job to pay their bills. And then time passes by a year, two years, three years before they start to say, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not going anywhere. Maybe I should really think about what this job could really be or what I can make it into. But a lot of times people don't think about it right away because they're just thinking about getting a job to pay the bills. And so it's, I, I think I love the idea of having a career strategy right away so that you can work towards it at your current job. And so that you don't always feel like the only option is to move to a new job and start over from the beginning. A hundred percent. I think maybe this is a little bit polarizing, but I'm going to say it anyways. My book is really when you're looking to move into leadership roles. Mm-hmm. 
or you really want to love the work that you do. I always say I work with smart people. I work with people who want to make an impact in the workforce. I work with people who really want a strategy to create larger impact. They want to be seen as a leader. They don't just want to work for the sake of working. I think there are tons of people. I was one of them for a long time where it's like, I'm going to work so I can get a paycheck. That is it. If I, that's all I cared about. If I could make a little money, but you wouldn't catch me doing not a thing outside of my working hours. I wasn't trying to like maximize anything. I was just working. And I think there comes a time for many of us, like I don't even want to do any math right now about how many years we all have to work in most cases. But there comes a time where in order to love your career, it has to be connected to something deeper besides just your paycheck. So this is really kind of helping you get take stock of what are the things you like to do? What do you not like to do? What would actually make you happy in the world of work? And how can you be a leader? Because there's also probably going to come a time where you don't want someone always like barking orders at you. Like there's always going to be a boss, even in entrepreneurship, there's a boss who's normally a client or something else. But you want to be able to have some more autonomy in order to create your own strategy in the workplace. And to do that, you need your own strategy for yourself. That's very true. And the key that you said, the thing that stood out to me the most was that you have to be seen as a leader to become a leader. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important. So even if you're not in a leadership role right now, what can you do to be seen as that leader so that you can then pursue becoming that leader? Exactly. So Kimberly, the next thing I wanted to ask you was just about something that a lot of people actually ask me, and that's around how do you build a personal and professional brand that aligns with your career goals, the things that you want to accomplish at work? What does it even mean creating this brand around yourself and your profession? What does it mean? So my clients always laugh at me. And when I explain personal and professional branding, I always say that I bring the Kimberly Becomings experience wherever I go. And they're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like you're talking about yourself in the third person. I'm like, but no, that's how you really think about branding. Branding is the experience you provide to anyone who interacts with you. It's how do you look at the world? How do you make people feel? What are the actions you take every single day? What are your core values? That's truly what a brand is, how they experience you. It's almost how they talk about first impressions, like you never get the chance to make a second first impression. That's because of like your personal and professional brand. It's that aura that you bring into the room. And people want to work with people who... I don't want to say are just nice people, but people who want to make an impact, people who are knowledgeable, people who are excited about the work, people who are willing to do the work to achieve a common goal. And in order to make moves in the workplace, your brand has to be aligned with the moves that you'd like to make. So if you're someone who, let's say, is a extreme introvert, you want to sit at your desk or your virtual desk and kind of just hunker down, do your work. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to network. You just do your stuff and log off every single day. And the next role is someone, let's say, who presents to senior stakeholders who frequently has to schedule meetings to explain the new process, explain the strategy, hire a team. You kind of have to sit there and think about your own personal and professional brand. That's where we start to talk about the gap. So the gap of who you are right now is someone who is very introverted. You generally get to do your work in a silo, so you don't have to really interact with other people. And the next level of your role is almost the opposite, right? So it's not to say you cannot be who you are, but it's how can you bridge that gap a bit in the workplace? So maybe you need to start building your confidence muscle by scheduling meetings with other people on your team. 
maybe you need to challenge yourself to raise your hand in the meeting and volunteer for a project that you can start to lead. What are the baby steps that you can take to align your brand to that next role? So it's not just a skill sometimes, it's kind of leveling up your brand. For many people, like women and people of color specifically, that could also be executive presence. So Hmm. maybe that's something that you need to cultivate and pull into your personal brand by learning more about it and finding ways to exude that in the workplace. But I always break it down by just saying branding is the experience someone provides. And if you think about the brands that we interact with every single day, so let's say you're thinking about Evian Water versus Poland Springs. Poland Springs, you can get everywhere most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Poland Springs, it isn't good, it isn't bad. It's what we always have. If you're at an event, most of the time, there's always going to be Poland Springs there. But if you think about Evian, Evian normally has that kind of air of it's sophisticated. The branding is a little bit different. They also have that mist that you can put on your face. The Mm -hmm. experience that they allude to having is a little bit upscale, right? Versus Poland Springs is like, hey, we're here. We're for everybody. When you think about brands in that way, you also like you can kind of translate those skills to yourself and kind of comparing what is the brand that aligns to the role that you'd like to have. I hope that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And it's such a great way. The way you explained it is a great way to think about it, right? Because a lot of times people associate brand to business, right? Mm Coca-Cola, I don't know, whatever it might be. We associate brand to business, but you also have to think about the brand of yourself. And like you said, what experience do you want to bring to the workplace? How do you want people to feel about you in meetings, your skill set, your quality of work, the way you do things, that's all part of developing your brand, you know, and I think that is such a great way to look at it. Like, what is my brand in this workplace? How am I presenting myself? How am I building this aura around me? Like you said, <laughs> you bring the Kimberly <laughs> V. Cummings experience everywhere you go. Yeah. <laughs> People get to experience you. And that's something that that's almost like a card you can pull out your out of your purse and say, this is the Kimberly B. Cummings experience and you're going to enjoy it, right? So when you think about your favorite brands, the way I think about, I'm thinking about what you said is, okay, if I really like this brand, how do I mimic myself to have other people feel the way I feel about this brand that I love so much? Yeah, so much of it is awareness. I know when I think about my brand, so I'm on a podcast right now. I have to make sure that I'm smiling and you hear that I'm excited to be here. It doesn't matter that maybe I had an argument with my husband this morning. I didn't today. (laughs) Well, not today, Um, but I can't bring that energy to the podcast because you're going to hear it and feel it. And you're like, well, what was wrong with that chick? I was listening to the podcast and she sounded like she had an attitude. I'm not going to follow her. Or when I go to events when they were in person, right? I told myself that if let's say the event was on 53rd street in Manhattan, once I started to get close to like 49.50, even if I was tired, I was like, well, let me perk up because I'm in the vicinity of the event that I'm going to. And if I run into someone like, oh, hey, I think you're speaking at the event. Or when I get to the elevator, I want to make sure that people have a good experience. Like when we talk about interviews, I always say the second you walk into the building or you get close, you have to kind of turn it on because you never know who's going to impact your interview experience. I remember years ago, I learned the story of a candidate who was interviewing at a job and they, it was in higher education and they walked into the building and they were late and they were super snappy with the security guard, super Uh, snappy. Like, I don't know why I have to do this. Like, don't you have this ID? Didn't you see it? Just just being rude overall, just not nice. And the security guard is like, 
not a problem. I will help walk you upstairs to your interview. And you know why? Because he was in the interview because he happened to be a doctoral student who would be working with this person who was interviewing for the job. What do you think happened in that interview? Because <laughs> that's how they experience them. Or teachers who they may not be nice to other staff or they don't smile when they see children when they're walking through the hallways for an interview. If you're not smiling and looking excited about these kids and you're going to be a teacher, (laughs) you got to kind of put it together. I think when you make it super tangible, you're like, all right, okay, I get the experience in brand piece. And especially when people are making internal career moves, I tell folks you are on the longest interview process of your life. If you haven't been aligning your brand to the job that you're now interviewing for, you've essentially been interviewing for the past however many years you've been in that job. You have to kind of align to the new experience because new candidates can always come in and sell, oh, I could do this, I could do that, I could do this, but you've been there. So they're like, well, this person hasn't shown me anything. Yep. And, you know, that's so true. I'm thinking about an incident of someone I had to interview in not for business, but personal, I was interviewing a nanny years ago when my kids were babies because I really needed the help. And I remember it was me and my mom and this lady comes in, we're doing the interview and she doesn't even look at the baby. She doesn't acknowledge the babies. She's just very straight to the point. What's my rate going to be? What's my vacation going to be? Blah, blah, blah. And as soon as she left, my mom is like, she didn't even look at the people she's going to be taking care of. That's enough. That, that was not the branding. <laughs> and you know, the other thing you talked about, about personally, like I'm always working on my brand and I am a faux extrovert. So I'm very introverted and I sometimes have to operate on low energy. And for all of you introverts out there, operating on low energy can be very, very draining because you have to take so much effort just to smile and just to be mm-hmm. like, you know, like, hi, <laughs> especially the business <laughs> I do. I cannot go to an interview or go to an event and just look like the lady that was you just described. So one thing I have learned how to do <laughs> is I pinch myself. Like I will pinch my, really? I'll pinch my cheeks. I'll pinch my arms. So harmful. I, I don't know. Yeah, if I yes, up together. <laughs> I mean, it's not those kind of pinches, but it's like just a pinch to like you know how people like when they're nervous they start to um what's it they cringe they start pressing their hands together. I just pinch yeah. myself to kind of get myself in the like yeah that's my thing. So sometimes you don't always want to be on with your brand, basically. <laughs> yeah. You have to figure you're out what tired. works for you. I know for you can't stand yeah. the person you're about to meet. <laughs> the bad day you fought no, with your exactly. husband, mm-hmm. but you always want to try to remain on brand and stay consistent with your brand because, again, it's about the experience you're bringing to the workplace, how you want other people to see. And what you said, Kimberly, is you want to be seen as that leader in order to become that leader. A hundred and ten percent. That's personal branding. I, I, that's, I'm a huge advocate for that. I love that. That's something that you focus on in your book and in your teachings because people, they associate it with the things that they buy and not necessarily to themselves, mm-hmm. but that can have a huge, huge impact on your career and your career progression and your networking and all of that. So important. And it doesn't matter what job that you do. doesn't matter what job you're doing right now. That personal brand mm-hmm. still matters. Always. It always matters. And even Honestly, like personal branding matters in almost every scenario. Your brand impacts how people interact with you, period. Even if you ask your friends, like they like you because of your personal brand and how you make them feel. It's ingrained in everything. It just, we don't think about it when it comes to our personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And we only think about it when it quote unquote counts. 
in the world of work and careers and business. So definitely write that down in your notes if you're listening. (laughs) So so Kimberly, I want to shift gears a little bit. And given the fact that we are facing a lot of uncertainty with the pandemic, a lot of people feel obligated to their jobs. They are afraid to make that next move. But while they are still employed, they may have the opportunity to make that next move where they are right now. But without feeling like you're ruffling any feathers or you're sounding like you're not grateful to have a job, right? How can you use your voice, your actions to advocate for yourself in your workplace so that they see you as that leader despite the time so that it doesn't feel like you're ruffling feathers or it doesn't feel like you're trying to cause friction, but instead you're just looking to grow. How do you make that work for yourself without jeopardizing your job basically? So the first thing I want to say, though, again, another bit of an unpopular opinion. Remember that you are lending your skills to the company that you're working for. Snaps. And you are not the company. You are lending your skills. You're lending your skills. Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) It is an exchange. They are paying you because you are bringing a skill set there and doing a job. One of the things I teach my clients at all times is that you are so-and-so who's working at ABC company right now. You are not defined by that company. I hate on LinkedIn when people put in their header, like account manager at blah, blah, blah company. Like the company doesn't matter. Like you are an account member who serves XYZ types of clients because that's transferable to wherever you'd like to go. So if you are in a role where you are unhappy or you've already had conversations about upward mobility, or you see other opportunities that better align to what you like, your skill set, your family, I tell people, don't be afraid to leave. But if you really do want to stay, I think it's reiterating your level of experience, the key projects that you've worked on and your commitment to growing at that company and really having an open dialogue. If you've never had a conversation like this before, one of the key questions that I tell my clients to ask their direct manager is, in order to move to the next role, what is it that you would need to see in me or what skills would I need to bridge in order to move to the next level? And then be quiet. Don't start yammering, just be quiet because the person needs the answer. And then you can integrate those skills into your strategy plan and start to attack them. Because what happens many times, if you've never had these conversations, again, let's say maybe you're that introvert and you've never initiated a career conversation, there's not career pathing available at your job to make things super clear for you. You may be kind of shooting in the dark, right? You know, you want a new job, but you've never had it. You've never had the opportunity to have the conversation. You kind of need to start and sit back and really set yourself up so that promotion may not happen right away. Maybe, but you also, if it, if it doesn't, you can't necessarily get discouraged. This is where you need to continue to maximize your job and set yourself up for success. But I just reiterate that if you want it, initiate the career conversations, but don't feel even right now with how the world looks, don't feel like you are indebted because you have a job because there's so many industries right now that are also hiring. There's a lot of companies who have been super flexible. I know I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but a lot of companies right now, so it is, we're recording in late May. A lot of companies right now are talking about their return to work plans. There are some CEOs who have said, I believe work happens in the office, period. We're all coming back. We don't care that you've been remote and could do your job for a year and a half. 
<laughs> you are going to bring your behind back into the office. And if you are like, that does not suit me, it may be time for you to start a job search. It's not necessarily about company loyalty. You have to also think about yourself and what aligns to you having a career that you love. We spend 40 plus hours a week in the office. I would hope that you would prioritize you loving the work, loving the company so that you can ultimately be happy instead of being so angry whenever you turn your laptop on every single day. I love everything that you just said. That is golden advice. You're lending your time. They don't own you. It's not something you owe them. You're, they're paying you to do the work and you're doing the work to get paid. And I love your approach to having the conversation with your manager and then listening and taking note of what they're telling you needs to be done in order for you to get to that next level, to make that next move. And I love the fact that you lay the option on the table that, yes, you may have a great job, but if it doesn't align with where you want to be right now, in terms of, I need to work remote part of the time, I need to do X, Y, Z, then it's okay to start looking for another job because so many companies are thriving despite what's happening. So that's just so many gems, Kimberly. <laughs> No, I Thank think you it's for just sharing so that. too. No problem. And I totally get the the anxiety around it, especially when we've seen so many people lose their jobs during this time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we, we've had that notion of like, you know, I need to be grateful. I need to be grateful. But remember, like you're doing work to get a paycheck. You're not, you're not doing it for free. It's not free. You should be happy. <laughs> Definitely not free. <laughs> so Kimberly, I'd love for you to share if someone were to pick up your book right now, what are three takeaways you would want them to walk away from that are super impactful that they can take action on right away? Okay. So one of the things I love to say is number one, you can create a career that makes opportunities for you. With each move you make in your career, honestly, the reason why I wrote the book is that you should be setting yourself up for your next move. So number two, you have to be strategic. Don't be out here recycling jobs like old boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> Just move into the next and you didn't really understand why you're in this next relationship, but it ends up being just as bad as the one you just had because you never reflected. Make sure that you're mm-hmm. reflecting on where you want to be, why you want to be there, what skills you need to gain in order to make your next move. And number three, be flexible. Things can change. As much as I'm putting together this career strategy and that's what I'm asking you to do in the book, I also say that your long-term goals are a moving target. You can have an opportunity that comes down and is such a blessing that you can't say no. So just be open to the opportunities that will come to you in your career every single day. So from reading the book, I think at the end of each chapter, I have a section called Your Next Move, which is the next move that you need to take. So if you're someone who's a skimmer, I need you to go to the Your Next Move section so you know how to make things actionable <laughs> um, and do the exercises there if, when you're really looking to make that, that next career move for yourself and don't be afraid to maximize where you are before you jump into the next role. Well, Kimberly, this has been so great. I just have a couple more questions before I let you go. First of all, you have to, well, not first of all, but before I let you go, you have to tell us what is your Clever Girl superpower? Oh, you know what? I am currently reading The Big Leap, and I'm at the part of the book where he's trying to help you identify your zone of genius and asking you, what are your innate skills, like the thing you do easy that you have to kind of make your zone of genius? So A, like I just think about that when I think about this question, because I've literally been journaling about it. And 
I think that my superpower is being able to make strategic decisions. I'm always able to kind of look at the big picture and then bring it down into a strategy to achieve a goal. And I do this in so many areas of my life, my husband's life, my friend's lives. So I definitely think strategic thinking is my superpower. I love that. And just funny, random, you talk about the big leap. And just before I quit my job to work on Clever Girl Finance full-time, I had posted a quote from that book on my personal Instagram, which is probably not there anymore. And I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, just come back and delete this. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. It makes sense. God. That is great. Making decisions strategically. I and mean, we all need to have that trait, but if you, if you can do it really well, then that that's a great bonus that you have. And yeah. Kimberly, yes. Tell us the name of your book again, where we can find it, where folks can keep in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and all that good stuff. Yes. So you can find me almost everywhere. So the name of the book is next move, best move transitioning into a career you'll love. And you can find it wherever you buy books, target, Walmart, Amazon, of course, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, all the places. It releases on June 9th. So please go grab a copy and you can find me at KimberlyBCummings.com or Kim B. Cummings on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much, Kimberly. And we'll be sure to include all that good information in the show notes. I appreciate you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.